may be seated. Psalms chapter number 5, and uh, we're going to look at Psalm chapter number 5 this evening. And uh, just, just so you know, I'll tell you this right up front, because usually I just, have, uh, I just have three points, and tonight I have more than three points, so you need to know that up front. Uh, my daughter told me, she said, she said, Dad, when you preach, I just, I just write down one, two, three, because I already know there's going to be three points. So uh, if you pre-number your paper, uh, it's not going to be right, and you'll need, to, you'll need to modify that, all right? And I do try to, um, I do try to make it easy to take notes when I preach and, and hope that that's a help to you uh, as we go through the, the Bible and different things. We're in the book of Psalms tonight, Psalm chapter number 5, and uh, there's a lot of things in this psalm, to be honest with you. Let's go ahead and read it, Psalm chapter number 5. I'll read it out loud, and you can follow along there. The Bible says there in Psalm 5, uh, Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth, their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongues. Destroy them, destroy thou them, O God, lest let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against thee. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy. Because thou defendest them, let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous. With favor wilt thou compass him as with a shield. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for the privilege that we have to be in your house on a Wednesday night in the middle of the, sur in the week. And God, I pray that you would just use me. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me. I pray, Father, that you would encourage and strengthen each and every believer that's here tonight and uh, those who are listening and, and online. And Father, we'll certainly thank you for that. And God, we ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this psalm, uh, there's a lot of things that you can really pull out of this psalm. Matter of fact, I, I read it over and over and over again and, and was just noting some things. And uh, one of the things that you could, and I would encourage you to really go back uh, tonight or tomorrow and reread the psalm and write down all the psalmist's proclamation about God. Uh, there's a lot of information that he gives about God, and, and we're not going to take the time to go into all of those things uh, just for sake of time. There's another thing that he proclaims, and that's uh, about the ungodly. 
And uh, we're not going to take the time to go in and cover all of the uh, things that he covers about ungodly people, uh, but they're all there, and it would be good for you to go through and note all of those things. Uh, the plea of the psalmist, if you look there, uh, he talks about that. In verse number one, he says, Give ear to my words and go through and note all of his requests that he is making to God uh, in this psalm. They're all written down there. But reading over the psalm, I don't want us to, we're not going to focus on those. You can uh, do that and I encourage you to do that. But in reading over this, I want to draw some observations of the psalmist. And I want you to know he's not bragging about his Christianity. Uh, this is not something that he's just saying, well, look at me and, and this is all I'm doing. Matter of fact, you kind of have to pull some of those characteristics out of there uh, because he's not bragging on himself. Matter of fact, when someone wears their Christianity on the sleeve, um, boy, it sends red flags up for me. Um, when somebody's telling me, well, you know, I'm in church and I'm the uh, this and that, and they're telling you all about their Christianity, you have to wonder, why is he explaining all this to me? What's the point of that? Is he trying to convince me or convince himself? I mean, if he's living for God, then what's it matter what he tells me? I mean, live for God. Um, but but uh, this is not the case with the psalmist here. He is not bragging and telling us all of his good attributes. But as I read through this, there are certainly a lot of good attributes of this psalmist or qualities, godly qualities or godly attributes or godly characteristics that stand out about this psalmist. And that is, that is some of the things that I want us to note tonight. And so the first thing I want you to notice in Psalm 1, he says, give ear to my words, O Lord. And he says this, consider my meditation. And I want you to notice his contemplation. Uh, as we look at this psalm, his contemplation, what a bold statement that he would ask God to consider his meditations, saying, God, I want you to notice my thought life. I want you to notice the things that I think about. Most people are not asking that of God. Matter of fact, they're hiding themselves, thinking, I really hope, and they, they remove themselves from the idea that God would even know or understand their thoughts. But this psalmist, he's very bold, and he's very secure in his relationship with God in saying, hey, God, I do want you to inspect and note my meditation of you. Boy, what a great request that he's making. It's like saying, God, am I lacking in my meditation? Is there something that could be better in my meditation? And, uh, and I want you to notice this. What is meditation is defined as this, all right? So that we're all on the same page and we're not, some of us are thinking, um. Okay, we're not talking about that kind of meditation. Um, so, so what is meditation? Meditation is to dwell on anything in thought, to contemplate, to study, to turn or revolve any subject in the mind. Let me just tell you this tonight, that meditation requires effort. It does not happen by accident. I remember many times driving down the road as a missionary and I would just be driving. And uh, my wife's sitting over there, and, and, uh, and she'd look at me, and she'd say, what you thinking about? i say, nothing. My mind is in neutral. I'm just driving the car down the road. That's why I, I'm tired. 
I've done thinking. And she had a hard time understanding that. But, but you know, sometimes for some of us, hey, we can just go into neutral. I mean, you just be sitting there and staring off into space and daydreaming. And if you are thinking, it's about really dumb stuff. You know, I wonder, wonder if this could work or if I do this or something else. You know, it's just really crazy stuff. But meditating is actually focusing our mind on God and God's Word and saying, what does God have for me in this book today? And it's effort. It requires work on our part. It is not going to happen by accident. You're not going to meditate by accident. Well, I was, man, I was just sitting there and all of a sudden I was meditating. I didn't even realize I was doing it. No, no, you have to, you have to focus your mind because our flesh does not desire God. And our flesh really goes contrary to God. And so we have to work at meditation. So you don't meditate by accident. Let me just mention this as well. Meditation is not church attendance or prayer. Okay? Um, this, is an, this is an activity in which that, uh, that you are listening. It's like a lecture. It's like going to school. Now, a lot of people do, do I won't say meditate, they daydream. Uh, in school, all right? I did have that problem sometimes. You know, the teacher's up there talking and, and call your name, Mr. Shane Rice. What, what did I just say? And, well, I don't know. Because <laughs> you check out. But, uh, but meditation is focusing your time. You know, in our day and age, we live in a very busy society that would like to occupy every moment of our time. And sometimes I listen to talk radio and it cracks me up. They're like, we just ask three hours a day. I'm thinking, you're asking three hours a day. He's asking three hours a day. This other guy's asking three hours. That's nine hours of my day. And where am I supposed to work? And when am I supposed to do other stuff? I'm like, they're crazy. They're all asking time. Listen, we have, a, uh, we have a very busy society that would fill every waking moment of our time. And I'm often reminded in my own life of the verse that says, Be still and know that I am God. And we've got to still ourselves. We've got to sit down and just say, You know, I wonder, wonder about God's Word and think about the verses that He's given us. Hey, we're commanded to meditate, at least Joshua 1.8. Joshua was, the Bible says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Hey, listen, if we'll spend time meditating in the Word of God, what, a, what an important thing and a lost concept in today. The psalmist here, he says, consider, he's praying to God and he's asking God, hey, consider my meditation. Hey, would you ask God to consider your meditation? Would you say, man, I, all of a sudden it's an absence. You're like, whoa, I haven't been meditating. I haven't been studying the Word of God. I haven't been reading the Word of God. This psalmist, I believe it's a very godly character and, and godly attribute of his to say, God, consider my meditations. Look at what I've, uh, I'm, I'm working on and studying. 
Not only that, but I want you to notice in verse number two and three, uh, not just his, his contemplations of his thought lives and what he thinks about, but look with me at verse number two. The Bible says this, Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. His consistent time with God, not just his contemplation that he would think about God, he would meditate on God, but his consistent time. I want you to notice that he directs his prayer to God. Boy, we would do a lot of good if we would spend a lot more time directing our prayer to God. So often we're directing our prayer to uh, everyone else and to maybe this person can help me and maybe this person can help me and we're seeking help from every, everywhere uh, on the earth but many times we omit God. Hey, listen, we ought to go to God. That ought to be our first response and say, hey, God, I need your help. God, I need your wisdom. God, I will direct my voice toward you. And that's what he's saying there in verse number two. He says, I'm crying unto God, my king. And look at what he says. Uh, we, he devoted a specific time that he would go to God. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee. Hey, hey listen, uh, I would love it if every person spent time in prayer in the morning. You can spend time in prayer in the morning or evening, but I will say this, it needs to be a consistent time. You can't say, well, I'm going to pray this morning, and then tomorrow night I'm going to pray tomorrow night, and then next time I'm going to pray at noon. And You need to develop a consistent habit. The psalmist here uh, apparently had a, a regular time in the morning. He's saying, hey, in the morning, I'm going to direct my prayer to God. Listen, one of the best things that you can do, one of the things that I've tried to convince people for years, have a consistent time with God in your life. If, it's a, if you work best at night, do it at night. That goes against my grain because I'm, I'm dead at night. I, it's just not me. But if, it, if, you, if you're awake and your mind is alert and you can do that and you can dedicate every single night uh, to, to, to reading the Word of God, hey, then go with it. If you're better off in the morning, for me, that's when it works best. Man, I, I can set my alarm and I can dictate when I'm going to get up and I, I can get out of bed and I go make my coffee and I sit down and I read the Word of God. Hey, have a consistent time in your life that will work in your schedule that you can be very consistent about that thing. I always like the mornings in my house because nobody else is up. And uh, man, it's quiet. Nobody's talking. Nobody's walking around. And, and uh, sometimes some of my kids would get up, but those are the ones that are, they're all, we're all the same. We get up, morning, that's it get a cup of coffee, we go hide in a corner and we've got our Bible and we're reading and it's quiet and nobody's talking to other people and it's just a quiet time when we can spend time with God. Hey, listen, the psalmist here is saying that he has a consistent time with God. He's directed to God in the morning. We can see his contemplation. We can see his consistent time with God. I don't know how to measure my time of my message because I do three and so I have no idea where we're at time-wise. But uh, we'll go through these anyways. Look at number, verse 4 and 6. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers 
of iniquity. Not only his contemplation and his consistent time with God, but I want you to notice his consideration to pleasing God. Oh, I, did, I would that every Christian would desire to please God with their life. The psalmist here points out very clearly in verse number 4, Thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness. Matter of fact, we see God disdains wickedness. He goes on in verse number 5 and he says, uh, the f or in the latter part of verse number 4, Neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. And listen, we love to run around and point out, oh, that's wickedness, God hates that. But I think here in this psalmist, I think he's even inspecting and looking in his own life. Boy, we're really quick to, to say, man, so-and-so over there needs that. So-and-so over there needs that. We elbow our spouse. Hey, what about us? Hey, we, got, we have to recognize wickedness in our own life and we've got to recognize the air in our own selves and we've got to say, hey, we've got to be aware and alert and, and very conscientious to the fact and consider that, hey, God hates wickedness. and We need to be careful of our own wickedness in our own life because God truly does uh, despise that. It, it does not please the Lord that we would live um, that way. If we have wicked thoughts, it's displeasing to the Lord. If we have wicked actions, it's displeasing to the Lord. If we have wicked words, it's displeasing to the Lord. If, if we have uh, whatever it is that is wicked, we have got to be very careful because it displeases the Lord. Look at verse number 6. He talks about the destruction of the deceitful, he says, Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. If you remember that word leasing, we looked at it uh, either in chapter 3 or chapter 4 there. And, uh, and it means uh, to be deceitful or, or fraudulent speech, speaking lies. And uh, you know, most lies are done to cover up air. Um, and, and it's natural. Uh, it comes natural. If you, uh, if you have a plate of cookies and, and you tell your child, don't touch those, and then you have to go do something and you come back and, of course, he's got chocolate on the side of his mouth and you say, did you touch them cookies? Oh, nope. He'll automatically, oh, what's he doing? He's covering it up. That's lying. But if you notice here, this is not really talking about that kind of fraudulent speech. Look at what he talks about. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing, the Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. Not necessarily, not that that is right, I'm not saying that at all, but I think this psalm more points to those who are going out with the intent of hurting and revengefully destroying other people. That would be maybe gossip. That would maybe be backbiting. That would be those who would speak evil of somebody else because they do not want them to get ahead. They do not want them to advance. And listen, there are people with, uh, with motives against other people that would speak whatever they want to speak to try and damage the character of another person. 
And, and, and that's a fact. And the Bible says here that the Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. And I think that idea of bloody being uh, that he would actually go so far as to hurt the other person and murder the other person and perhaps even try to cover that up. And so we have got to be so careful uh, about uh, our ideas of even trying to destroy somebody else. So the psalmist is saying, hey, consider what is pleasing to God. We ought to have a consideration of what pleases God. We ought to live our lives that, uh, that we understand that, hey, we ought to please God with our lives. The Bible does say in Romans 14, 12, So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. This would solve a lot of problems. If you'd live your life every single day saying, I'm going to stand before God and give an account for how I'm living today. I'm going to stand before God and give an account for my actions today. I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to give an account for my words today, for my thoughts today, for everything that goes on in my life. And if we would live our life that way, boy, we would consider what pleases God. Our life would be different. The psalmist here, he's considering uh, what is pleasing to God and he recognizes that wickedness and foolishness and deceitfulness is not pleasing to God. Not only that, but look with me in verse number 7. He says, But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of... Of thy mercies. Not only is he, uh, his contemplation or his thoughts are correct and, and, uh, and his um, consistent time of prayer with God and his considering what is pleasing to God and what is not, but I want you to notice in verse number seven, he, he congregates in the house of God. He's going to the house of God. He's interested in entering the house of God. And look at how he enters there in verse number 7. He says, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy. Man, praise the Lord for God's mercy that allows us to be in church. That allows us to say, you know what, uh, I, I know that, man, I, I'm a sinner. I know that I mess up, but you know what? I'm not going because I'm perfect, but praise the Lord, I'm going because of His mercies. And I can enter into the house of God, and I can enter into worship with God, not because I'm, uh, I'm righteous and I'm perfect and I'm a saint because of my works. No, but because of God's mercies. And he doesn't give me what I deserve. I'm allowed to enter into his tabernacle and into his presence and worship the King of Kings. What a great thought that we can congregate because of his mercies. Lamentations 3.22, I'm reminded of that verse. It says, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Boy, praise the Lord for His mercy and for His compassion and that they are renewed every morning. And we can come into God's presence. God is so good to us, not giving us what we deserve. The psalmist recognizes, hey, it's by God's mercy that he could enter into the house of God, that he could congregate and worship God. But not only that, I want you to notice not only how he enters, I want you to notice how he worships. He says there in verse 7, the second part, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. 
It was a fearful worship, not a fearful of, well, I'm scared that if I don't go, God's going to punish me, but rather a reverence to God saying, man, I want to worship the greatness and goodness of God because He is amazing. And His mercies never fail. His compassions go on. He's just an amazing God that makes me want to worship Him. He worships God in fear and in in God's holiness. We see that in verse number 7. He congregates in God's house. Talking about attributes, godly attributes. Look at verse number 8. It's interesting. In the middle of the verse or chapter here, he says, Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness. You know what verse 8 tells me? He is choosing with his life to live righteously. It's a choice that he's made. He's asking God. He's saying, hey, lead me in righteousness. In order to be led, you have to choose to submit yourself to God. And this is what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, God, I want to submit myself to you. I want to follow you. I understand your goodness. I understand your righteousness. I understand who you are. And I desire to follow you with my life. He is submitting to God and then he's choosing to follow God. He's saying, lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy ways straight before my face. He's saying, hey, I want to know what your righteousness is. And if not, man, my enemies will consume me. Um, I'll be destroyed because of my enemies. If I'm not following God, if I'm not following God's righteousness, and what a great attribute that he chooses to be led by God. Boy, we need to choose to allow God to lead us. You know that's an action that has to take place Every day, one of the uh, my life verses is Romans 12, 1. It says, um, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. I've heard it said many a times, you know what the problem with a living sacrifice is? Today, we put ourselves on the altar. God, I'm yours. And then tomorrow we wake up and Man, what am I going to do today? I think I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go doing this and do that. And I'm going to go fishing and I'm going to uh, have fun and and do these things. And and we're, we're, we get up self-willed and we get up saying, "Well, I want to do what I want to do." And and we take ourselves off the altar and we got to we got to come back to the altar and say, "God, I'm yours today. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to live my life?" What would, what would you have me to do? And where would you have me to go? And how would you have me to live my life? And we have to choose day by day to follow God. The psalmist here is choosing to be led by God. He's saying, God, I am yours and I want to walk in your righteousness. Please help me to follow you. And he's saying, lead me. That's one of his requests. We see an attribute as well that it is choice to be led. Look with me in verse 9, down through verse 12. We see his cognizance 
That means his awareness. Look at what he says there in verse number 9. He says, For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. He's talking about the wickedness. He's talking about his enemies, perchance. He's talking about those who would be against him, but certainly those who are against God. And he has a cognizance, an awareness of who they are. Matter of fact, you read that again, and look at what he says there in verse number 9. He says, For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wicked. I find it very interesting that he states that in that way. Matter of fact, I'm reminded of Jeremiah 17, 9 that says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And the Bible would tell us, hey, that the center of us, the seed of us, the heart of us is a, is a wicked thing and it's vile. Matter of fact, Mark chapter number 7 and verse number 21 says, For from within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All of that comes from within. And the truth of the matter is we have all of that within us and that only if God washes our heart and changes us, when we're submitted to God's righteousness and we say, you know what, lead me, God. Help me to follow you. And we find that we can be different, but he's very cognizant. He's very aware that wickedness comes from deep within man and is able to come out of man uh, in any form. And he talks specifically uh, of the tongue. He says their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. In other words, uh, the words that they use would be very deceitful and very harmful and, and cutting, and they would destroy people with their tongues. He's very aware of how the wicked is within and, and those who are wicked. Look with me at verse number 10 and he says this. He said, he's very cognizant and aware that there will be judgment. He says, destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions for they have rebelled against thee. He recognizes their wickedness. He recognizes that God will judge them. It's interesting. He says, let them fall by their own counsels. You ever heard the phrase, if you give them enough rope, they'll hang themselves. That's a lot of truth. You know, sometimes we're so tempted, we got to retaliate. we gotta, uh, we got to spit back what they're saying. And, and, and really, he's saying, hey, you know what, God? Just their own counsels will take them out. Well, I'll just, I'm going to turn them over to you. I'm going to let everything go and, and, and leave it up to you, that their own counsels. And he's asking God to destroy them and, 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 and work on them and to judge them. He's aware that, hey, God is in control in the end and there's no need for him to retaliate, but that God would take control of this situation. So he, he's asking God. And so there's a cognizance, an awareness of the wickedness of the people, of the judgment of God, and that God is in control. But I love verses 11 and 12, how he ends the psalm, because he says this. He said, but let those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Hey, he's cognizant of the joy that comes to those who trust in God. The psalmist David 
He's saying, hey, I've been through problems. I've been betrayed. I've been through this difficulty and that difficulty and had people stab me in the back and had people turn on me and and all of that. But I know through experience in my life that those that trust in thee, hey, there's a joy that just cannot be replaced by anything else. And he's cognizant of that joy. There's joy in the mercies. There's joy in forgiveness. There's joy in regeneration. There's joy in a relationship with God. God is our defense. He goes on and says there in verse number 11, Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. That's those who would put their trust in him. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Hey, listen, we can, as Christians, man, we can rejoice in God and in the greatness of God and what he does for us. He defends us. Look at verse number 12. For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous with favor, wilt thou compass him as with a shield. And God wants to help us and strengthen us. And we can take great joy in walking with the Lord. What a blessing. The psalmist points all that out. He's very aware of all of those things. Listen, when you study the Word of God, it's amazing how it opens up things. Things become so clear. He said, hey, thy word is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. And when you meditate on his word and when you recognize all of those things, hey, God helps you understand all of those things and put everything in perspective and understand that, hey, joy and blessing and and defense all comes from God. And he'll do that for us. If, like he says there in verse number 11, but let those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Hey, we can trust in the Lord and we can rejoice in all difficulty, in all hardship. And this psalmist went through hardship. There were things that this psalmist went through. Uh, We we looked a couple weeks ago about how David was uh, actually fleeing the kingdom and they thought that the psalm had been written for that time when, he, when his son Absalom had taken over the kingdom and he was running and the kingdom was lost for all practical purposes. Hey, I'm just saying, whatever we're going through, hey, we can trust in the Lord. You can always put your faith in Him and you can trust that He's going to do things right and He'll bless. And you know what? When you trust in God, there is joy because you say, man, it's not in my hands. I've shared this story before. I'll share it again really quick. I remember in Peru, and uh, I, I don't, I remember this when I first went to Peru, and of course, I'm white-faced, and in Peru, they're not white-faced, and, uh, and so I'm driving down the road, and every time without fail that they see my little white face driving down the road, the policemen just stand on the side of the road, they got a little whistle, and they blow their whistle, point at you, and point to the side of the road, and you just Pull over. I'm, I, I, I'm almost every time I drove by a police officer, I almost just put my blinker on and started turning over because I knew it was going to happen. And, uh, and they pulled me over first, first time, and, and uh, I wasn't as used to it then. And, and, uh, and the police officer come up, and, and he says, papers. And so I give him all my papers, and there's a boatload of papers you got to have. And, and so I gave him everything that I had, and, and he was looking at everything. And, and I learned over the years that they're always looking for 
any little thing that they can nab you on. And so they, they pulled me over, and, and, uh, and he's looking at my papers, and it wasn't hard because my papers were not in order. I did not know that. And, and, uh, and the van that I had bought, uh, I bought it, it didn't have seats. Well, I have children, so I had to put seats in it. So I put seats in it, and he's looking at the van, and on the title of the van, which you have to carry with you, it, it was only listed for two passengers, a driver and one passenger. I don't know whose all those kids are, sir. And he's looking at all those seats. He's saying, your vehicle's not legal. I said, oh, I, in the broken little Spanish I knew, I said, well, I didn't know. I, I had no idea you couldn't just put seats in. He's like, yeah, you're not allowed to do that. And, uh, and we had a long conversation, and, and, and he constantly was asking me for, for money, and I, I wasn't about to give him money. And, and eventually, uh, he said, you know what, we're going to have to take your car, and we're going to have to impound it. He, and, he got, and he said, I'm going to go back to my cruiser, and you just follow me. I said, yes, sir. And uh, we got, he got in his car, and I started driving, and I immediately called the missionary that I was working with. I said, Brother Bolos, we got a problem. I said, the police officer pulled me over, and he's going to take my car, and he's going to impound it. He said, don't let him impound your car. He said, if they impound your car, you will never see it again. I said, great, that's a blessing. Thanks for letting me know. And I'm driving, and I hung up the phone. He said, I'm, I'm coming to the to police office. As soon as I can get there, I'll be there as, as fast as I can. So I'm just following him. And, and on that trip to the police office, I said, Lord, I said, this is your car. I said, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I'm trying to do the best I can. And, and obviously, I'd done something wrong. And so I'm asking you to help me. And, and to resolve this situation because I really don't even know what to do. And I remember getting to the police officer and, or to the police station and parked and, and the, the officer went in and I went in and the police officer was talking to his commanding officer and his commanding officer kept looking at me and looking at him and looking at me and looking at him. And, and after a while, um, a, the, the commanding officer come out over to me and Brother Bolos, the other missionary, had not arrived yet. And, and uh, he come over to me and he said, you can just take your car and leave. I was like, okay. <laughs> I didn't ask no questions. I wasn't interested. But I remember knowing that, hey, God resolved that whole situation. You know, there's peace and there's joy in knowing, well, God, whatever the results, I'm trusting in you. I can't handle this situation. I don't know what to do about this, but God, you do. And I know that I'll trust in you and that you can take care of this situation far better than I can take care of it. And if you'll do that, man, there is joy. There is peace. There is all kinds of answers that God will give when you resolve yourself to whatever God wants in your life. So we stand to our, head, our, our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for truly how great you are how trustworthy you are. God, sometimes it's difficult to put our trust in you. And God, we need your help.
We need your strength. But God, when we do, oh, what a peace. What a joy. Knowing how great you are. God, I pray that you would just bless each and every person that's here. Encourage them, strengthen them, God. God, I know... I know a lot of people go through a lot of struggles and hardships in their life. And so, God, I'd ask that you'd help them. I pray that you'd strengthen them. I pray that they would put their faith and their trust in you. And, God, that you would time and time again prove how great you are in their life. God, we'll thank you for that. We know you will. And we ask that you'd move and work as only you can. Father, I pray that you'd touch hearts as only you can. God, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. The altar's open. If God's spoken to your heart, maybe you have a, a situation you want to pray about. Whatever the need, whatever the situation, psalmist said blessed are those that trust in him they're gonna that he's gonna bless them let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them just tell you time and time again when God's provided God's met my needs I look back and I think man God has been so good to me not because of who I am but because of who he is just the fact that I'm one of his children hey and if you've put your faith and trust in him you're one of his children he'll take care of you just like he's taken care of me and bring our invitation to a close. And again, I appreciate your faithfulness being in the house.